0: is Australia. There's fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms blooms. as far as i see. But
1: I ain't spending any time on it. Oh, oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of federal politics.
0: It's cold bean, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult!
1: Hello and welcome back to News from the Trough. My name is Wendell Hussey, I've got Les Burley with me here today. Les, how are you?
0: Oh mate, I'm doing a big stretch because I'm finally getting back into it, taking a month (laughs) off. After the election of a century, uh, I've been hanging out by Lake Batuta doing shit all and I'm back at work.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see you have got a lovely tan on, the hair's a bit longer, bit of colour in there too. So, it's been a month just catching our breath again, just trying to get back on top of things. It's probably the Wednesday, I'd say, after a massive, massive weekend. Probably going to start feeling human again in a little while, but yeah, it's it's been a big few days and a couple of days of just trying to piece things back together, trying to get back on top of it. But we are here now and we're bringing back A new news from the trough, fresh off the press, and we are back into it with a new news from the trough. Now, this is a Batuta Advocate show where we like to run through what's been happening in the world of politics, decode some of the dark art stuff, talk about the bigger stories, some of the stories that aren't making news, all that sort of stuff. Les has taken a little bit of time, as she mentioned there, resting up, so have I. We're all just um, getting our bearings. But now things are starting to tick again. We've got a national disaster happening down south in Sydney, and our Prime Minister has gone a wall again. Some are calling it Hawaii 2.0. Uh, interest rates are going up, cost of living is going through the roof. As you know, anytime you go to the supermarket, anytime you go to the petrol pump, anytime you go anywhere, really, the price of everything is going through the roof. So this is the new reality that the government has faced and um, it looks like there'll be a couple of years of this. So Les and I are getting back into things to talk through what's been happening and wrap up what's been going in the world of politics. Now, we did used to do quick hits before the election, but given there's not as much news happening, not as many sound bites as there were in the election, Election campaign. We're just peeling it back. We're peeling it back to banger or clanger of the week. That's our first quick hit, just to kick us off. This week, we've got one. It's from businessman Matthew Kamanzuli. He was a guy who actually took the Liberal Party to court in a failed bid to force pre-selection votes for ordinary branch members. That was in the election campaign. That was six weeks before the election. It was all this drama about pre-selecting candidates, etc., etc. He was a member of the Liberal Party. He's a high-ranking businessman. He took them to court, and um, he was on Four Corners last night, talking about basically the internal warring that's going on in the Liberal Party at the moment. And he said this, which I want to know, I want to get your thoughts, Les, as to whether you think it's a banger or a clanger.
0: It's a nasty, sniping, sort of childish, juvenile, valueless, principless sort of culture that it built around around Alex and, and, and his cohort. I think the guy's a cancer. I, I, I think Alex... And the movement that he's built is a cancer that has infected the party and has grown into some of the better ends of the party as well. And it needs to be excised. This cancer needs to be cut out.
1: Mr. Camenzulli said this about Alex Hawke, who was Scott Morrison's right-hand man. He was a number guy, one of the bosses of the the centre-right faction or the centre-right group within the Liberal Party. He said, I think the guy's a cancer. I think Alex and the movement that he's built is a cancer that's infected the party and it needs to be excised. This cancer needs to be cut out. We're going to talk a little bit more about all the revelations from that Four Corners and what's been going on in terms of the internal warring in the Liberal Party over the last kind of couple of weeks and months. But, Les, banger or clanger, what do you reckon?
0: I declare this quote a banger simply for the visual imagery that it portrays. Yep. I mean... Yep. It's not very often that you hear a quote from a politician where you viscerally actually experienced the quote at the same time.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was Banger. it's quite confronting imagery, isn't it? Yeah, it's an interesting one for me. He so he kind of aligns with a hard right faction. Mr. Kamanzooli and he's obviously not happy because he lost his court bid and Alex Hawke got a lot of his captain picks pre-selected into the seats instead of Mr. Kamanzooli's hard right faction candidate. So there's a lot of fighting in between there. It's an interesting one. He's saying Alex Hawke's a cancer, but he was essentially trying to do the same thing to Alex Hawke that Alex Hawke was trying to do to him. Well,
0: that's it. I think a lot of people would also have a lot of poetic imagery to say about Matthew as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> you that know.
1: just as of itself, that quote – Fair enough. I reckon it is a banger. It's very choice use of words from Zuli mm. But now um, we'll move into the meat of the week. We've got a few things to talk about. We've got to talk about New Parliament, Albanese's trip overseas, NATO, Ukraine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's been some cuts to staffing, which the likes of Lambie, Hanson, Pocock, the Greens, are all blowing up about. They're not happy at the Labor Party for doing this. And also, yeah, the Liberal faction wars that we've been hearing a little bit about over the last kind of couple of weeks. But just quickly, some homework new parliament. Who's who, Les? Who we got?
0: We have a new parliament. It's not news to anyone that the election was pretty spicy. It was pretty full on. Look, we came out with a bunch of new people. There was no kind of clear cut landslide in this election. However, the Labor Party did came out on top, we have a new Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. We have a new Deputy Prime Minister, Richard Miles. Mm. So if you don't know who that is, he's a Victorian. He's come up through the unions and he was Minister for Trade under Rudd a few years back. So he does have quite a CV going there.
1: Yeah, he's currently our sitting Prime Minister right now as Albanese's out of yes. the country. He's done a couple of media interviews. Seems like he's warming into the job, I'd say. Uh, not, Absolutely. Not, doesn't look like he's too comfortable as Deputy PM right now, but... I think
0: he's feeling the election hangover just like you and I maybe needs Mm. to get, get back to the gym, get match fit, we'll see what happens in a couple of months.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed. And then Penny Wong got the Minister for Foreign Affairs and um, obviously Peter Dutton is the leader of the opposition, which plenty of people would know about. So that's kind of the lay of the land. We'll start figuring out who all these characters are and where they stand and what the narratives are going forward. I'm sure as we go there will be plenty of kind of storylines coming out of all of it. Probably a month in now, the Labor Party running out of time to blame everything on the previous government. I mean, every single answer I've seen so far from everyone is we inherited these problems, these aren't problems created by the Labor Party. All fair enough, but at a certain point, you mm-hmm. want it to be in government, these are the problems you got to want to solve. So starting every answer with blaming the other side and saying this isn't our fault, I don't know how long they can run that line for, but I'm sure there's you know a whole team... And- hordes of staffers figuring out when exactly they can drop the blame game and move on to other things but that will be something we'll have to keep an eye on now Anthony Albanese caused a bit of a storm jetted overseas in the middle of a national crisis that wasn't a national crisis when he jetted overseas but that hasn't stopped some people at places like Sky News and the telly from blowing (laughs) up Les
0: yeah so that's it so he was actually already overseas to be fair but the floods have kicked off in New South Wales and like you said that has drawn some criticism but but mostly the a lot of the media online the social media has kind of positively spoken about this trip and that is a trip to Ukraine last weekend so Prime Minister Anthony Albanese was invited by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and he followed through with that invitation. The trip was meant to be a secret until his return, but it made the rounds on social media after some Mm. locals cottoned onto the visit and were mostly praising Albanese for the visit. And that's kind of how we found out about it. So Albanese entered Ukraine via Poland in an armoured diplomatic train, which is the same train that other world leaders, so Boris Johnson was there last week as well. So it's kind of this armoured train that enters the Mm. country that is meant to offer protection.
1: And it was meant to be a secret, namely because he's the leader of a country supporting Ukraine who's going into a war-torn area uh, where, I don't know, the country attacking Ukraine may potentially threaten his life. It was more of a safety measure rather than just... Trying to duck out while the country's on fire for that holiday you promised the wife and kids a few months ago. I think.
0: Yeah, and we've seen a similar approach from other world leaders. So we're finding out after the fact, you know, Boris Johnson, we found out after the fact that he made a quote-unquote surprise trip. Angelina mm. Jolie, we found out after the fact that world leader Angelina Jolie made a surprise trip yep. to Ukraine as well.
1: Where's Angelina Jolie, the <laughs> prime minister of or president of?
0: The United Nations. She is yeah. the, ah, yeah. yeah, president is the official title? It's not, but... <laughs> Yeah, Angelina Jolie's now a really big deal in Ukraine. So there you go, yep, Angelina nice. and Albo hanging out in Kiev.
1: And um, he only took a little convoy over Anthony Albanese, didn't he? There was a select group of media people picked.
0: Yeah, so the ABC reported that he was joined by three members of the media, so reporter Ben Packham of the ABC, a photographer and a cameraman, whose names were reportedly drawn From a hat.
1: I would love to have seen the drawing of that hat. That feels like, you know, the Melbourne Cup sweepstakes at work, you know, like let's just keep an eye on that one because I reckon maybe there would have been a Sky News person or a telly person maybe picked out. Oh, whoops, that one got dropped back into the hat and maybe maybe they did a few goes and shuffled it around and maybe a few bits of paper Look, went out and then eventually cannot, they landed.
0: Yeah, that's it. Cannot confirm nor deny how many names are in the hat to begin with either. They yeah. could have all been yeah. ABC reporters. I don't know. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Packham yeah. got the nod over someone else from the ABC. So an interesting one. Anyway, he has been touring Ukraine. He had the NATO stuff he was doing as well. Obviously, pretty horrific scenes in Ukraine. Albanese pledged an extra 100 million Oz money in military aid, plus 34 armored vehicles and 20 Bushmasters and drones as well, which um, Zelensky was pretty thankful for.
0: Yeah, so Albanese visited a few of the war-torn areas around Kiev, so Butchka, Hoshtamel and Iepin, and all of these areas were brutally attacked during the war a couple of months ago before Russian troops were then pushed back. To the east. And here we have what's clearly a residential building. Another one just behind it, uh, brutally assaulted. Uh, you know, th- this is a war crime. Commenting on what he saw, Albanese said, This is a war crime. These are homes, these are livelihoods, and indeed lives that have been lost here in this town. Mm. And so that is, you know, kind of the message he's been sending out to justify the increase in aid. And then in response, Zelensky has commented publicly as well, saying, I'd like to express words of gratitude for the negotiations for coming today for Ukraine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're. I wasn't actually aware until recently, but we're the biggest non-NATO contributor, which is NATO's those North Atlantic Treaty Organisation, so all the people basically in Europe and America and stuff. Outside of that, we're the biggest donator of aid and military aid to Ukraine, which um, mm. I kind of was wondering why Zelensky had taken what seemed like a couple of days out of his schedule to basically sit down with a Prime Minister from the other side of the world. But we obviously are sending quite a bit of money and help to Zielinski there. So it makes sense. But it was one thing that I found a little bit interesting. I don't know if you saw, Les, the shots. There was these really kind of clean cut. It looked weird. It looked like the kind of videos that maybe like a client would play at some industry awards. Very strange. It was a weird one for me. Yeah,
0: like a promotional video. I do wonder which videographers they had in the hat there if they pulled <laughs> out someone from Warner Brothers, from an advertising agency. Definitely not the milkshake guys, that's for sure. But it definitely wasn't. you Usual kind of news broadcast videography so yeah <laughs> yeah. Look, it
1: looked like it'd have some of that light electro pop in the background behind yeah
0: it. yeah i felt like i was potentially going to invest in an apartment in the cbd mm. or something like that so yes yeah yeah.
1: now back on home soil albanese is under fire from the crossbench not from the yes. opposition yet the opposition yet's laying low they're fighting with themselves they're too busy um That's attacking it. each other to attack the labor party right now But Albanese and the Labor Party are under fire from the crossbench. And by the crossbench, we're talking Pauline Hanson and One Nation, new independent senator, David Pocock, the Teals, the Greens, and the single United Australia Party candidate and Lambie as well. That's the crossbench we're talking about. Helen Keynes as well. There's a couple others in there.
0: And it's quite a significant crossbench. This is the first parliament we've had in a long time where the crossbench is this large. So any kind of fighting is actually quite a big deal. And we're going to see more news coverage from crossbenches than we probably have in a while Mm. as well. So the new Labor government has declared that crossbenches are only allowed one advisor or personal staff on top of the four electorate offices every MP is entitled to. So just to break that down, every MP is entitled to four electorate offices. And then in the prior Morrison government, they allowed crossbenchers to have four additional staff on top of that. And Labor wants to cut that down to one. And so the prime minister's argument is that cuts have been made across the board in the parliament and across the board and staffing in parliament in many ways. And everyone needs to pull their weight when it comes to saving money. Assistant ministers in his own party are only allowed two additional staff, not four. So they have faced a cut as well. However, many in the crossbench, especially independents, have been really vocal about this, saying it will slow down not only their ability to work in government, but could in turn impact Labour's ability to negotiate with the crossbench Mm. as well. When you're an independent, you don't have a huge party or pool of people to rely on. You're often there by yourself. So having a few extra staff can help with policy development, can help yeah. with research. And so that's their argument.
1: Yeah, that's one of the big, big arguments there is that, yeah, they don't have a giant team, uh, you know, a huge organisation behind them to go, this is our policy standpoint on in regards to this issue or this is how we're going to address this policy that's been put forward or this piece of legislation. So, yeah, you know, they need a couple more guys than the Labor Party or the Liberal Party or the Nats do to kind of analyse legislation and take a bit more time to read it. Zali Stegall, the Independent from um, Ringo. She didn't hold back. She tweeted, Albo MP didn't mind the crossbench having staff to put alternative policies and push for anti-corruption and climate and hold the Morrison government to account but feels differently now. We're seeing his true character, dismissive of our communities and arrogant. No different to Morrison at all. Jackie Lambie, another independent, she said, if we can't go through the legislation with advisers, how can we vote on it? I'm not voting for something that I can't go through. So, yeah, that was her argument as well, was that, like, she needs advisers to help her. She trusts her advisers. She needs them to read through the legislation read through all the different things that are being proposed, keep across all of the stuff that's happening and basically feedback information to her to make a decision. So she's obviously furious. Apparently her staff has found out that they didn't have a job just hours before they were going to attend Mm. Jackie Lambie's dad's funeral, which, I mean, obviously the timings of these things, you know, you can't control them, but not yeah, Not 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 ideal. Um, Not ideal, so yeah. That's been the the general gist of it, is that this is the largest cross-section of individuals we've seen in a parliament before. We've got all these independent voices. A third mm. of Australians didn't vote for a major party first at the election. So obviously people want to see different voices and this seems like a huge measure to limit the ability of these different voices to kind of advocate and be across stuff. So it kind of doesn't seem like it's a reflection of the public will. Mm. And I also and
0: wonder if Labor would have followed through with this if they didn't have a majority. So if they had a minority government, they may mm. not, I mean, We're speculating, but they may not have made this move because it would have really shot them in the foot to kind of form a government with these crossbenchers, but because they just got the majority they potentially feel like they can get away with something like this and go, well, we have the majority anyway. But the repercussions yeah. will be seen in the Senate where Labor yeah. hasn't got a majority. So it's really interesting to see them make this decision that can have really significant repercussions for a long time as far as them trying to get bills passed because mm. senators just may not pass them.
1: Yeah, and that that's the threat that's being made by the likes of Lambie and Pocock to say, well we can't actually analyse this legislation properly, so sorry, we can't vote for it. Automatically, we have to be against it because we can't understand what's going on here. So if you're going to cut our staff, we might not be able to pass stuff through the Senate, which could cause a little bit of an issue. So they are negotiating at the moment, going back and forth and trying to figure out what's going to happen there. Obviously, the argument from Albanese and the Labor Party is that it's cost-cutting measures, you Mm. know, and there'd be some insinuation that, you know, we've got a wave of teals in Parliament at the moment now. Are we dealing with Simon Holmes at Court's brother's son or are we dealing with his mate's nephew becoming a political staffer for one of the new Teal candidates. You know, how many cushy jobs are being given out? How many more political staffers do we need? So there's that. There's merits to that argument as well. But ultimately, the amount of money that the government spends, the money that they'll save on cutting 30 to 40 staffers, doesn't seem like a huge, huge chunk of money in light of all Mm. the work that needs to be done and the crossroads that we seem to be at in terms of the government and the parliament so it's an interesting one they are negotiating and you know potentially there could be a little backflip or a compromise feel like they might be allowed three
0: staffers or two staffers, yeah two maybe we'll see we'll have to see what happens when he gets back from his quote-unquote holiday Mm. in a war-torn area
1: yes quick question for you actually we should have should have touched on it before Waikiki Beach Downtown Kiev. What would you mm. prefer holiday-wise? What, what would Depends on choice? the time of year. Depends ah, on yeah. the time oh, of sorry. year. Sorry, yeah, yeah, of course. yeah. yeah, yeah. It it's summer Kiev quite lovely, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, it's summer there over now, so that's probably why he strategically yeah. made the trip. Definitely not any other reasons of urgency at all.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Many of us are embarking on a European holiday now. The borders are open, and why shouldn't Albanese take a slice of the pie?
1: Yeah, and look... I will say good on him from refraining from posting, you know, a shot of him drinking sangria in Majorca or <laughs> popping down to Positano and putting up a shot of him lying on a sunbed, you know what I mean, to give the rest of the nation envy. That's what plenty of other people seem to be doing. Now, we should move on to our last topic of the week, which has been the Liberal Party faction wars. A lot of mudslinging. We mentioned at the top of the bulletin with the different factions, mainly the centre-right and the hard-right going hammer and tongs at each other. They were doing it during the election campaign, which wasn't a great and they're doing it after the election campaign which still isn't a great look, Les. What's going on?
0: Yes, so it's the killing season, season two. So the Liberal Party, particularly the New South Wales branch of the party, have been embroiled in factional warfare for quite some time. So some of the fighting became quite public, as you just said, in the lead-up to the election, and it really kicked off with Senator Conchetta ferventi wells absolutely spraying the Prime Minister on budget night. She declared at the time, well, the Prime Minister at the time, Scott Morrison, that he was unfit for office, an autocrat, and a bully. In my public life, I have met ruthless people. Morrison tops the list, followed closely by Hawke. Morrison is not fit to be prime minister, and Hawke certainly is not fit to be a minister. Senator Wish Wilson.
1: Holy smokes. Uh, Acting Deputy President. I'm happy to offer another five minutes to Senator Favanti-Wells if she'd like to continue.
0: And that really kicked off some big question marks for a lot of the electorate, and it's because of this factional infighting that New South Wales didn't have federal seats filled until March, so they only really had a month and a Mm. half to campaign for the election, which is not a lot of time, considering that Morrison's been campaigning for about two years.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one, and it obviously wasn't ideal for their election campaign, but... Just quickly, I thought the Liberal Party didn't have factions, Les. They always tell us yeah, that it's only no. the Labor Party that has factions. They're
0: always telling us that the Labor Party are factions, that the Labor Party are infighting, but it actually turns out they have their own factions and their own yeah, infighting. To be fair,
1: the Labor Party tried to tell us that the factions don't mean anything either. Yeah. So it's an interesting one. Interesting one how much both parties talk about factions that actually don't exist in their party.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting that both parties talk about the factions of the other parties that don't exist in their own parties as well. Mm. There's nothing confusing about that at all. So also to be less confusing, we'll just really quickly explain the Liberal Party factions. So there's three of them. There's the left slash moderate They would never be far left, just left-slash-moderate, and that is run by Simon Birmingham. There's the hard-right Conservative Party, who Peter Dutton is head of, and then there's the centre-right, which Alex Hawke is head of, and Scott Morrison was kind of the national leader of that party when he was prime minister. And the centre-right party is kind of relatively new. So there used to be left Mm. and right, and now there's centre-right, left-moderate, and it all gets a little bit interesting.
1: Mm, Bit of a Hillsong theme as well in the center right.
0: So these factions are almost little parties within the big party and all of these factions have been fighting for quite some time. They often battle it out to see if they have enough numbers from each faction in the parliament and this starts at pre-selection which is why we got into the mess that we got into last election. So you may remember the old days of our national sport, the old leadership spill which saw Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison, do a cheeky switcheroo and that's actually because of these factions so the left moderate faction took out abbott to get turnbull in as prime minister and then a few years later the center right faction got revenge and took out turnbull and replaced him with morrison so all of that infighting and knifing and even leadership spills comes from these factions and it trickles down all of that culture trickles down into pre-selection as well. And at the top of all of this, the godfather, if you will, is this bloke called Alex Hawke. He became president of the Young Liberals in the early 2000s and very quickly kind of gained quite a reputation. Alex and a few others in that time created this new faction. So they created the center right in that time, breaking away from the right. So they were like, we need a third... center-right faction rather than two. He then became an MP in 2007, and since then he's been a key player in pre-selection for elections, working alongside Scott Morrison to place people in seats. If you don't
1: know who he is, Google him. He looks like the definition of a young liberal. Like If you think of a young liberal, he's the kind of guy that comes up, you know I mean? He's a guy who's talking about jobs being awarded on merit, all that sort of stuff. He's got a job at his, you know, made Stad's law firm, that kind of thing. That's Alex. He's the mover and shaker. He's a big up and comer. He was a numbers guy for Morrison who was doing all this sort of stuff. And basically, yeah, he, he was making all the deals and it blew up heading into this election with the hard right, um, this guy, Camenzulli, who took them to court, he was kind of a mover and shaker in the hard right. They basically wanted to get all of their candidates into a lot of seats and Alex Hawke and Scott Morrison and Susan Lay were manoeuvring to make sure that their candidates from the centre-right got in instead of these hard-right candidates. So that was, you know, all this infighting, these court cases, mudslinging, different stuff being leaked in the media, etc., etc. It's an interesting one because the hard right is saying that this was part of the reason that they lost, Mm. But then I think there's also general public sentiment shows that the Liberal Party had been going a bit too much into the cultural wars stuff, into the hard right conservative stuff. You know, it made people feel like maybe there was a little bit of a change. That was some of the elements that people talked about. It's interesting that people in the hard right are saying that the election was lost because they weren't able to get more hard right candidates Yeah, and the the
0: centre-right and the centre-left have said the opposite as well. They've come out Hmm. saying that (laughs) they need to listen to the population around climate change, about women's rights, and, you know, so there's definitely a big divide in this party around which way they should go in order to gain more votes. And like you yeah. said, as we saw in the election, a third of the country didn't vote for either major party. So maybe they just need to reconsider all of it from the beginning anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, like I just look out from the outside on this and I just think this is so fucking lame. This whole <laughs> thing, this whole faction war stuff is yeah. so fucking lame. It is like... It's high school shit. Yeah, like it reminds you, like, me
0: of the scene in Mean Girls where they pan across all of the tables and they're like, the art kids, the jocks, the, you know, and yeah, it's literally yeah, yeah, yeah. just like juvenile. Here's,
1: here's the computer guys over here. Here's the gamers. Here's the arty guys. And, you know, we're all fucking – we're divided into these different groups and they're all kind of fighting. And, and it, yeah. it gets to the point where – They're not actually fighting for anything other than just their individual group having power and having control and keeping their jobs. And that's where the ridiculous thing is. Like At the end of the day, these people are publicly elected representatives. They're paid by the public to basically represent the public and do the public's bidding and get the best result for the public. That's what they paid a lot of money to do. And from the looks of things, all they're doing is spending their time bickering with each other for ego-driven pursuits of power and who has control of this faction and who's the big dog in this faction and whose faction's getting this pre-selection here. All this sort of shit that doesn't really mean anything to anyone. And they always talk about, like, oh, the public. the public doesn't want to see this. Yeah, fucking oath. The public doesn't want to see this because it's lame as shit.
0: Like, grow the
1: fuck up. Like, have you guys got nothing better to do? But obviously, that's what makes politics work. You know, all these backroom deals that they're kind of working on. But... I mean, God, if you ever needed a reminder that this shit is kind of fairly removed from reality and very lame, it's the internal bickering of the different parties to kind of gain power for each faction. Yeah,
0: and although they're arguing around, you know, how they lost votes, I'd imagine that some of the votes that they lost were because the taxpayer were seeing their taxpayer dollar be spent on these people fighting. Yeah, rather yeah, yeah. Than and it's just like, doing the work.
1: Yeah, cuz they are they're supposed to be the adults, right? Like they're the adults who are in charge of the country, they're making the rules, they're making sure everything runs smoothly, and they're fucking bickering like school kids.
0: It's kind of like when you work in a high school and you see all the tables that are, you know, the different groups and then you go into the staff rooms and it's exactly the same. That's all Yeah, I true. Saying. True. It's exactly true. the same. Who are meant to be the adults? But yeah, so look, a few MPs were, they did actually come out on Four Corners last night to comment on all of this. Cameron Zuli, who we mentioned earlier, commented on Alex Hawke declaring he's gone from stacking shelves to stacking branches, and then he attempted to stack Parliament, which is another banger of a quote, whether you agree with it or not. And then Liberal MP Melissa McIntosh actually came out kind of attacking him, saying that in one of her branch meetings, that about 20 people came to her meeting and they were yelling at her and trying to derail her. And she described it as in, party bullying set Mm -mm. to derail her and her campaign. And she said And it was
1: blokes. And it was blokes. That's what she was saying as blokes. Which is yeah. Yeah, which is fucking even crooker.
0: Yeah, exactly. It it puts a bad taste in your mouth. Mm. And she said Quote, we need to change the culture. We can have all the quotas in the world, but it will be a revolving door of women if we don't change the culture. So I think she's trying to say, you know, mm. we can have all the policies around, you know, treating women well, and we can have all these press conferences. But if 20 blokes are coming to my meeting and bullying me, then people are just going to keep Quitting, women are going to keep quitting the party, which we have seen yeah. as well. We have seen yeah. key female figures walk out of the party in the last few years. She was yeah. actually re-elected with a swing towards her, mm. and was one of the only Liberal Party members to have that this election. So that was a bit of a middle finger to the people trying to derail her. Um, yeah. But as we can see, there's just huge repercussions to this culture in the party, yeah. and it's had a huge effect on them already, as far as the results yeah. of the election, and it's going to have a huge effect. On the party, as well as Peter Dutton's ability to lead the party and come across as an effective leader, because they are going to try and win back parliament in an election in a couple of years. And when the culture is this intense and this deeply ingrained, can they change the culture or change the image of the culture? in yeah. two, three years' time, it's hard yeah. to say.
1: Because why would you? Like, as McIntosh said, why, why would you go and spend and dedicate your life to doing this if that's kind of the culture and that's what's going on? That Yeah, that was the most shocking thing for me, actually, out of the whole kind of Four Corners episode. There was a lot of mudslinging and a lot of, you know, strong words and all that sort of stuff. But that was the most shocking, her recounts of that. And you could tell she mm. was rattled she was shaken. how yeah. fucked up it was. Yeah, yeah.
0: and yeah. she was one of the only ones on that episode as well that, What She wasn't so much slinging mud at the other guys. She was actually just recounting something that happened. And she went through the official channels and reported it and she tried to do the right thing. She went, you know, reported it to the right people and it just sat there and sat there and sat there. So, you know, I think women... And she got re-elected, so
1: it wasn't sour grapes either.
0: Exactly. So women who are... You know, considering running for parliament, maybe even people of color and First Nations people and queer people are considering running for parliament, seeing this kind of bullying from, you know, the same kind of powerful white men, they're just not mm. going to do it. So no. it is it is going to have long-term repercussions, these revelations. And we saw the long-term repercussions of what happened to the Labor Party after they were, you know, accused of infighting and factional fighting in the Rudd-Gillard-Rudd era. It took nine years for them to get back in Parliament. So, you know, I think we're going to see a similar backlash this time around, except mm-hmm. now both parties are tainted, with, you know, with the, the same brush yep. here. So, yeah, yeah, yep, we'll see what happens. Well, look,
1: Peter Dutton, new leader, seems like a good guy for culture. He'll probably tidy these things up, I reckon, <laughs> pretty quick smart. Um, so... Yeah. You know, who knows? Who knows? Could be a quick turnaround in the next 12 months with p in charge. So I guess that's what we have to look forward to, to keep an eye on. But, yeah, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks, Les. Great to be back up and running again, um, round one of the new season. You know, still finding the match fitness, getting the feet back, uh, back into motion. But, yeah, good to be back and looking forward to doing it again soon because looks like the news cycle is firing again.
0: Yep, I'm going to go take my asthma puffer after that workout because I'm not matched yep. bit yet and see you in a fortnight.
1: Yep, get in the ice bath, uh, rest up, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Yep, the deep heat's ready to go. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Les. Bye. <laughs>